Hey there, welcome back to the Men, Sex and Pleasure podcast. I'm the host, Cam Fraser, and we're talking all things masculinity, sexuality, male bodies, and men's experiences of pleasure. This is episode number six with the amazing Joel Camp. He's a very good friend of mine. Joel is a herbal alchemist, a kitchen wizard, a sex magician, a mescalero, and a traveler on the poison path. Joel is a student of the natural world and its medicines, its magic, and its mysteries. I met Joel probably about four years ago when he was still working in cafes and restaurants, cooking up incredible, amazing food as the incredible, amazing chef that he is. And his knowledge and wisdom on all things food and aphrodisiacs and adaptogens and herbs and plant medicines can be found uh, on his Instagram page, which is at the underscore earth dot blessings. And this chat that we had together was all about aphrodisiacs, actually, and adaptogens and the way that we can integrate food from a relational point of view rather than this quick fix mentality of popping a little blue pill like Viagra or Cialis. The way that we can actually use plants uh, in a functional way as well as in an erotic way. It's a fascinating conversation and I don't know a lot of other people that are talking about plants in this way. So it's, um, it's really lovely to be able to platform Joel uh, and let him share his wisdom and his knowledge. Uh, and you'll see he is an actual wizard when it comes to this sort of stuff. So enjoy. A healthy, happy sex life can be one of the most wonderful and exciting parts of a good marriage. Every man's penis can get hard at certain times. Do you ever have that happen to you? Every boy should realize that the size of his genital organs has nothing to do with fertility or his capacity as a male. Thank you so much for, for joining me. Really appreciate you jumping on with me, brother. No, stoked to be here, man. Absolutely stoked to be here. Yeah, so good, man. I just, I, I love you as a person, man. Love you as a brother. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have a chat with you today. And I know that we could go down many, many rabbit holes and many tangents. So um, I'm excited to see what flows from this conversation. Um, so I'm pretty sure. familiar with your work. Uh, and I know we've been friends for quite a while, but I'm wondering if you're able to share a little bit of your story, mate, and um, maybe how it pertains to masculinity and sexuality, if you don't mind, man. Mm, no, I'd love to. Well, I guess where where I come from now and where I make my, I guess, my living is in herbalism and, and plant medicines. Um, you know, like whether that's in 3D realms or or other planes, but um, generally tapping into to the medicine and the, and the magic of all plants. Um, I I guess I I initially came to to using plants and to herbs in general um, when trying to combat sexual dysfunction issues that come up for me in in my early 20s. Um, a lot of it was, I guess, stemming around around high pressure work, around stress, um, not being able to stay out of my head, not really being able to get or maintain as a solid direction, um, and you know, I guess a, a long history of of drug use and you know, speed dick and whatever else probably didn't help too much at the time either. Mm. Um, and I figured I, you know, I'm fucking 24 
years old or whatever at the time. You know, it's too too early to start smashing Viagra like some 60-year-old dude just to try and keep a heart on. Um, what do I do? And so you know, I started researching, you know, alternatives to Viagra. And then, you know, I, I come into things like ginseng and hishu wu. Um, well, they were the first two things that, that I really come across. I'm like, all right, where do, where do I find these? And so I hit up, you know, some, some herbalists in Northbridge and, and got a good supply and started taking them on a, on a daily basis. And then, then I started, I'm like, okay, th- these are kind of, these are kind of working. I want to know more about herbs that I can take like this. So I started, you know, on my days off or whatever, just volunteering my time to work alongside them. And they'd be like, oh, there's these kind of fruits you can eat or, you know, like uh, pomegranate or, or, you know, pepita seeds and all these things you can add to your diet. I'm like, okay, cool. So I'll, I'll start doing that. And then after about three months, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm pretty much getting hard when the wind changes. Like, so this is, this is fucking great. Um, you know, and as a, at the time, you know, like I said, 20, 24 year old man, um, having a functioning dick was, you know, like, a well, what I felt a pretty important thing, you know, it's like, if, you know, am I, a re- if my fucking dick doesn't work, I'm a re- am I a real man? Blah, 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 blah. So it was, it was herbs that kind of pushed me down to, um, to lead into healing myself like that and, and coming to understand my body and, and what it needs and versus what I was doing to it. Um, even though, you know, it took a long time to really change the situation I was in. I started to make changes, especially in terms of, you know, drug use and the way I was treating my body outside of a work slash stress relation to, to everything else. So this, this journey that you had, with with plants and you know plant medicine i suppose um you, you mentioned like ginseng and um hishu wu was born or well, i mean i'm asking was it born out of a desire to to tap back into your own sexual functioning or was there a relationship with plant medicine plants before that my relationships to plants before that had always been in the psychoactive realm never I mean, psychoactive realm is also a medicinal realm, but never a, a purely medicinal. Um, but it was largely born out of wanting to function like a, you know, inverted commas, normal man. And so that, that was kind of the main focus there was like, what can I do to improve my sexual function to make me feel like a normal bloke um, to give me a libido, you know, like to, to be able to not worry about things, to be able to feel things instead of just, you know, constantly worrying about, Oh, will my dick get hard? Will she think I'm a fucking failure? Am I a failure? Am I even normal? Like, yeah, it was a lot. There was a lot of questions and, um, you know, like, Initially, plants were plants were the not necessarily the quick fix, but the you know 
they were fishing, they were fixing or addressing the root of the problem, which was function. Yeah. And I think that's such a, like uh, a different way to approaching these concerns um, that, that, you know, unfortunately a lot of men go through, you know, when they, when they are that age as well, I feel like there's a lot of, um, a lot of guys that I speak to anyway have, you know, performance anxiety problems, whether mm. it's diagnosable or not, but there's definitely, there's definitely issues surrounding um, maybe not lasting as long as they want to, or not staying as hard as long as they can or, or um, around anxiety in general. And yeah, I'm, I'm just always been intrigued by your decision to really pursue plants for for the um, medicinal properties that they they contained in relation to sexual functioning i just don't think it's something that that a lot of people consider or even even are aware that that's a thing and i'm wondering you know have you come across other people that have explored you know a lot of plants in their in their journey or is it something that's you know relatively um still quite novel i think it's still something that's very novel um you know like there's always been you know the horny goat weed tablets that you could get at the chemist or the supermarket or whatever. And, you know, a, f- a few things that have been like, Oh, you know, and you know, the old, you hear tales of aphrodisiacs and tigers penises. And, but I, I don't think alternative medicine is really, um, a path that big or especially up until recently, um, that many people choose to pursue, um, and especially not in regards to sexual function. And you're touching on aphrodisiacs there as well. Cause yeah, that's just like kind of triggering my, my mind to think of like, Oh, maybe we did back in the day resort to, to things, you know, such as plants and specific oddities and rarities for our sexual function. So, um, so I'm thinking maybe in, in antiquity or in history, we have done that in a certain, certain regard. And then as our relationship with plants has kind of been a bit disconnected, we've we've relied mm. on other means and and maybe now there's like a bit of a resurgence of our connection back to plant medicine very much so very much so. i mean for especially in our lifetime you know like there's been such a reliance on on big pharma for medicine um and it wasn't until i really started going down the rabbit hole of plants was the realization that most of the chemical compounds that are now synthesized in, you know, all our modern modern medicines, um, not only not only ones regarding to sexual function, but even you know, codeine and you know, simple head and cold and flu tablets and whatever else, are all synthesized and strengthened version of natural remedies. Very little of them are, you know, like this thing that's just been solely created in a lab going, oh, this is this, you know, it's, it's an understanding of, Hey, this plants worked like this or, and a, a lot, a lot of it comes back to, you know, poisonous plants and roots and, and barks, um, berries, you know, things that are quite taboo or, you know, would have been considered witchcraft back in the day. Totally, man. So a lot of these, like, like you mentioned, a lot of pharmaceuticals are derived you know, from plants in, in, in some regard. And, and I think like mm. the discussion around you know, aphrodisiacs particularly, because that word, you know, for me at least, and maybe this is true for others as well, maybe it resonates is conjures up kind of like um, maybe connotations of 
like quite exotic plants or, you know, like I said before, rarities and oddities of things that are like quite hard to come by that you need to go out and, and seek out that, that specifically, you know, alter your sexual experience, alter your sexual function or, or, or have an effect on your libido in some way. And so I'm kind of like curious where, were some of the things that you were um, exploring, you know, maybe ginseng and hishu wu, for example, the ones you already mentioned, are, are they maybe considered in some sense aphrodisiacs? Totally, totally considered aphrodisiacs. Um, and most herbs that will interact with sexual function are aphrodisiacs. And if you, if you look at a kind of, I guess, aphrodisiacs in the truest sense, they're generally broken down into two categories. Um, ones that will have an effect on libido or, you know, desire, um, and virility, and then others that purely deal with sexual function, whether it's managing hormone levels or, um, lowering cortisol, promoting more blood flow. And that's, that's largely the way that all of them, all of them work, um, to some degree, is by lowering lowering stress levels, lowering anxiety levels, and promoting blood flow, um, which all, all of which you know, like you stress less, you desire more, you feel more, blood flows better, you maintain longer erections, or or you're able to feel sensation more. Or um, but I think somewhere along the way, the the notion of aphrodisiacs being like a Oh, I'm going to go out for dinner and eat a couple of oysters, and then all of a sudden, I, you know, I'm in the mood. I think our relationship with natural aphrodisiacs is something that's become a little bit skewed because because of the way they've been presented as you know, like a quick as a quick fix, as a oh, I have this thing and now it's good. But like any kind of natural natural medicine, it's an ongoing build up of the i guess the effects that 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 herb that food that root that bark that whatever produces within your system that enacts change totally agree with that man i think culture has a bit to play um in that kind of shift of mentality especially that quick fix mindset right of like oh, i'm going to eat a couple mm -hmm. of oysters to kind of use that example when now i'm ready to go and it's um you know maybe that's that speaks into this um rise in pharmaceuticals which offer generally quite a quick fix you know viagra for example uh totally. although although it's based you know maybe maybe you know viagra in a sense could be considered an aphrodisiac because it does affect your your um your functioning in a certain way it does affect blood flow right it does does something to your body you know physiologically yep. it changes things so totally totally i mean totally i don't know whether they would call it an aphrodisiac but in the in the natural medicine sense it totally affects the physiological body the same way that an aphrodisiac would and should. So I think this like um, this awareness that if you're taking natural medicine, like plant medicine specifically for aphrodisiac qualities that it's not, okay, I'm going to eat like one goji berry today and never eat a goji berry again. And it's going to have an effect on me, but it is like this ongoing continuous almost relationship with that plant, right? That, that affects you on a, yeah. on a subtle level day by day over a continuous longer period of time. Yeah, it totally is. It, it's totally like, you know, and I guess that kind of feeds into, um, like I said before, like the kind of witchcraft element of plant 
on herb craft and craft and use um, is that you need to become allies with the plants that you're working with. And that generally involves creating a relationship with them. So, you know, whether it is an ongoing use or a daily, a daily use or whatever, but you're, you're building a relationship with that plant in order to gain its effects, its powers, its, its graces. Yeah, man, that's such an interesting insight that I haven't really kind of put too much thought into until like this conversation right now. So it's so interesting. This is coming up and you know, we've had plenty of conversations before, but it's only really like clicked for me that that's a thing um, and where kind of that, that association can come from with regards to, you know, using it for mystical, you know, witchcraft, magical purposes um, really is stemming from that relationship over a continued period of time. Right. We would, um, we would be, you know, maybe erroneous to say, you know, developing a relationship with Viagra over a long period of time, because it's not something that we take over a long period of time, right? It's something you only take, um, you know, you're encouraged to only take intermittently. So it's, it is like such a different way of, of starting to think about how, how things that you put into your body interact with your body. It's, it's such a different mm. way of, of relating to, to those, those compounds, right? Cause it's, it's in a completely different, it's a completely different dynamic. You know, it's something that you, you develop over a longer period of time as opposed to that quick fix mentality. Yeah, definitely. Is there like a place to, I don't know, maybe for people to like start shifting that mindset, like what well, maybe in your own journey, you might be able to share like, what was it that helped you kind of realize, oh, I need to, I need to work with these plants for a longer period of time to actually see the effect. What was it that helped you kind of come to that realization or understanding? Um, I guess it was... Initially, it was starting to see effects and changes slowly. Um, well, for me, I've always had a more than a passing interest in mythology, anthropology, history, um, especially pertaining around mystics and witchcraft. And so going back to, you know, like Hippocrates, you know, food is a med- food by medicine and medicine by food. Mm. Um, it was an understanding of that from a nutritional basis in terms of the way that we eat. And so I figured that whether it was a culinary background or, or an interest in, in, you know, all things mystical, um, it was an understanding that it was kind of apparent to me that nothing changes overnight, you know, like changes, change in that respect is gradual and they have a subtle way of, of shifting and moving. And instead of, you know, like, like we said before that quick fix, big pharma, one pill changes everything. Yeah. Maybe we can speak into like, particularly, you know, both of our lived experiences is as, um, you know, cisgender, cisgender men. So maybe we can speak into like, the male bodied experience of like how diet can affect us, right? How diet can affect our um, let's, let's use the word in inverted commas performance. Um, Cause you know, I don't think sex is necessarily performance um, based or should be performative, but um, in terms of function you know, and in terms of the way that we uh, express sexually, I think there's a huge relationship with, with our diet and, and the things that we put into our body and, and you know, what we've been speaking about is, pretty much altering your diet in a certain way. And, and that's kind of what you did as well, right? Is you, you changed your diet in a certain way to, to affect your function. Totally, totally. 
and um, you know, around that same time, I I began to cut meat and cheese and you know, like high fat, high fat, I guess, constants out of my diet, um, which also would have would have helped increase blood flow and and just general, you know, help with decreasing weight, you know, increasing weight loss or like losing weight. So just a general overall health started to, you know, my body was reacting to that. Important to emphasize is that it's like a, it's a, it's a whole lifestyle change, right? If you want to, if you want to improve your, your sexual experiences, you know, uh, there, there isn't like a, I think you kind of referenced it before. There isn't like a one pill, which will change everything or uh, this one trick that will, you know, change your whole experience. It's like a whole, it's a whole new narrative. It's a whole new story that you have to create for your own body and for your own sexual, um, mm-hmm. your own sexual expression. Yep. Very much so. Mm. You know, and like grudges can be, can be small, you know, like, I, I mean, I know that, you know, I'm still quite a, quite a heavy guy. And, um, you know, the more exercise I increase, the better my stamina is, um, you know, and so it's, it's just, it's gradual, gradual changes. I mean, and these are, these are things that have been slowly improving over, you know, almost, almost 20 years now. Is there, you know? is there like a, um, say minimum amount of time you would, uh, you would suggest if someone was going to like integrate a, uh, aphrodisiac in the traditional sense of the word into their diet, how long they could maybe expect to see some gradual changes? I'd say to see gradual changes, you should notice something within two weeks um, for significant changes, continual use for three months and then ongoing after that. Um, but that also, you know, it also means as your body starts to regulate and react to it, you know, you'll hit points where it, like with anything you begin to plateau. Mm. And so then it's just increasing your doses or, or introducing another herb that works alongside of. Um, so it's continually building ongoing relationships. That's like with- analogous to, um, to working out, right? You, you don't do the same exercise, you know, or activity constantly you switch it up after after a couple of weeks or or you have a different routine because yep. because your, your body changes or it becomes you know it adapts to that specific exercise and so you need to change the muscle groups that are being used so yeah i love that it's the same thing and if plants. you look at, it like at lifting weights you know you wouldn't lift the same weight over and over again and mm. expect that to bulk you yeah yeah so just got to keep adding that extra little bit once you hit that plateau and then, you know, we'll, we'll change, bring in, bring in a new, yeah, bring in a new exercise, bring in a new herb, bring in a, bring in a change. And then that will just add extra layers to the, essentially the support system that you're creating. Thinking of your diet as a support system is a great way to, to frame like the use of, of plants like this, right? It's like they support your, your functioning. I think, you know, something that we can often fall into the trap of is like thinking that our, our sexual experiences or our sexual functioning is turned by something external, 
You know, so, you know, whether it's through porn or whether it's through another person or whether it's through the little blue pill that we're taking or whether it's through something, you know, that we're putting into our body or something that we're consuming, that's what's affecting our sexual arousal and sexual desire. And maybe in a sense, it's having an impact, but at the end of the day, it's, it's our experience that's being generated from within us and all these things are supplementing and supporting that, right? So it's like, it's, yeah, they are support systems. You know, I think that's a really beautiful way of, of kind of um, framing it. I'm wondering in terms of like integrating these, these plants into our, into our diet, maybe if someone's interested in starting to experiment with that, is there ones that we should be considering safer or uh, easier to use for beginners? Um, generally the easiest ones I find would be things like maca, uh, ginseng, and even to some degree, Hishu Wu, like a lot of them you can get either powdered or in tablet form. So it's, you know, like if, if you take any kind of vitamins or supplements in the mornings, it's either just taking a tablet or, you know, adding one to two spoonfuls to your coffee, cacao, um, even your smoothie, most of them work better heat activated, which kind of, you know, because the, there's a lot of, there's a lot of superfoods and a lot of adaptogens and aphrodisiacs and herbs and, you know, um, system support things on the, on the market now. Mm. Um, and what a lot of people do forget to mention is that most of them, especially, especially the fungi and the roots, um, really really work better within our you know our system or the way that we process them the way that we absorb them if they're slightly heated first so by either making a tea with them or or adding them to coffee or soup or cacao or even just cooking with them um in an evening or, or you know whatever um is a is a way to make that medicine more bioavailable the i guess exploration of of aphrodisiacs in the way that we've kind of framed it is like their their plants or their their um medicines that we use which affect our our function in a sense but there's also um and we've had this conversation before so i know that you'll uh, agree with me is the way that we we interact with with food in a in a sexual way right the way that we integrate food maybe as a as part of our food play or as part of our sexual experiences. The nature of food itself is so beautifully erotic. Um, and so, you know, whether, whether it is aphrodisiacs or just food and temperature and texture in general, um, they're all things that can be used to heighten senses um, to allow you to feel more, you know, like if you're, I guess a, a perfect example, of, you know, if, if you're used to just, giving it the old death grip and going hammer and tongs for having a wank in front of the computer or something, you know, like if, if you sort of slow it down and use the skin of a mango to stroke yourself with the sensations are completely different and the, the arousal is completely different. Um, and then, you know, you can, things like cacao make body paints, you know, whether it's painting a partner or just, coding yourself and playing in the mess and the filth and feeling different textures and temperatures and like bringing sensation to the skin is such a beautiful thing. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, um, I know that's something you're super passionate about. So I definitely wanted to 
to bring it up and, and then we can we can explore and expand that a bit more in, in this conversation because i think like i think like let's use that that oyster analogy that we we kind of touched on a little bit earlier and this now new piece of information which is like you know the way that texture and the way that maybe like smell and um the way that things feel on our body or in our body as well can can influence our sexual arousal and sexual libido and and mm. you know turn on uh, or even turn off, you know, that eroticism if it's something that we dislike. So um, I think there's there's a little bit of that quality in oysters, for example, as well, right? It's like they um, they kind of evoke the sense of um, of eroticism because of the way that they look and their texture and you know, even you know, even smell to a certain degree as well. Texturally, it's like a huge mouthful of cold semen. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I can understand how that's, very arousing yeah it's definitely you know like temperatures and textures uh are an incredible thing you know like like i said before you know mango skin or papaya is one of my favorite things you know it's sweet it's sticky um as it dries it changes changes texture and becomes tactile but um i've for me it seems natural you know like i've always enjoyed playing with food um and it goes back like as you know, as as long as I can remember, it was just like, I, I like eating this thing, or I like the feel of this thing. This feels good in my hand. This feels good in my mouth. I wonder what it feels like to pleasure myself with it, you know, and whether that was masturbating with the dust from Cheeto packets, or as you know, as a, <laughs> as, a, as, a, as, a you know, as a young boy, mm. or you know, like pleasuring myself with carrots there's never been anything that's really been off the cards for me you know like it's like if i enjoy this this thing in one aspect what's to say that i may not enjoy it in another i love that idea man it's like food and eating is so pleasurable you know if we're if we're attuned to it and attentive to it, it can be such a pleasurable almost erotic experience you know i've got like images of of eating you know strawberries and cream and all these kind of like really sensual foods that feel really good to eat and to share you know maybe with a partner eating with a partner but it's like what's stopping us from then using those same foods on our partner's body or on our body or you know on our genitals and and just having like a bit more of a again a relationship with those plants and how they interact with us and pink dragon fruit's another beautiful one to play with um you know, like the texture is kind of flowery but it's juicy and like smushy and it's soft but it stains and you know you put it in the fridge it starts off cold and then it starts to warm up and then the color comes out more and you end up stained or, or your partner ends up stained a brilliant shade of purple or yeah, and I, I definitely think different different temperatures and textures is a great thing. You know, like you said, molasses and treacle and honey. You know, like if you have three jars of either, you know, and you put one jar in a little bit of hot water, one jar at room temperature, and one jar from the fridge, the different textures and temperatures they create when they hit the skin is amazing. Like the really, really cold treacle or honey or syrup or whatever has a blanket effect that almost smothers the skin really slowly. Mm. Um, and then you have the element of cold as well, which you're just 
pushing sensation into overdrive in two very different capacities. Yeah, totally. I, I love like kind of like getting the theme of this, this episode so far as like just creating or expanding our relationships with, with plants, right? With fruits, with you know, these things that we consider aphrodisiacs that affect us not only functionally, but also affect us in terms of arousal and desire and an experience of pleasure, right? You know, both of these things affect our experience of pleasure. It can be pleasurable to function in, in a way that we want to function. It can also be pleasurable in the sense that it elicits certain sensations from us as well. So yeah, that's kind of what's coming through really strongly for me, at least at the moment here is, you know, building relationships with plants, um, both as a dietary thing and as a supplementary thing, but also as an erotic um, way of exploring our body and exploring our partner's body. That can be from, you know, anything from like to use a, an example that's a, a favorite of mine is that, you know, like to pose a question to, to a partner, you're like, may I, may I cover you in papaya and devour you through to, you know, like the old ancient samurai way of when they would return from battle victorious, there would be banquets of sushi and cold cuts laid out over a naked geisha and they would eat from her body. I think the relationship between food and sexuality, um, and then even back further, you know, like you've got the, both the Greeks and the Romans who would feast and wine and make love. And it was all done in and around the dinner table because the relationship between, between food and eroticism is, you know, is so entwined the way the way we eat is the way that we fuck mm, i love that man i love that and i'm wondering is there is there like uh some advice or some encouragement you would give to um you know trying and framing these conversations towards men particularly because that's you know that's why who, who i can speak to um with authority but is there advice that you give to that you can give to men who are maybe intrigued by this type of you know, building of a relationship with plants in this way, is there advice that you can give to them maybe from your own journey? Don't be afraid to explore. Explore in ways that make you feel safe, but take weird off the table because when we're dealing with plants, like they have their own spirits, they have their own nature. Um, it is not for us to judge them. It is only for us to meet them where they need to be met. And so if we just explore with them, whether that's in medicinal realms or, or in terms of their sensation and the pleasure that they can possibly bring us, um, it kind of opens different doors and different realms and different experiences. And if we just kind of get through the, I guess, the taboo of being the weird guy that fucks fruit. <laughs> you know you open yourself to worlds and worlds and worlds of pleasure yeah man that's so beautiful is there is there still or do you still notice a, a stigma or a taboo around um your own experience of of experimenting and exploring sexually with with food and with fruit um yeah yeah totally you know like most of it's come from relating to other people you know, I mean, I'm lucky now that my partner's, you know, like one of our first dates, I asked her if I could cover in papaya and, and devour her. And that was, that was accepted readily. Um, mm. You know, 
but I, I've posed similar questions, you know, like, can we play with this or would you like to, you know, roll around in a bath full of fucking peanut butter or can I cover you with ice cream and turn you into a spider? <laughs> you know, um, with like the kind of reaction that I'm a fucking freak. Mm. Um, and that's okay. You know, like, People are going to take it however they take it. I'm, I'm luckily lucky now that I have have a beautiful woman in my life that's happy to explore all kinds of you know, sensation. I think there's a there's a, a direction this conversation could go, and maybe we can touch on it briefly about being vulnerable and asking for what we want and and having the having the capacity, you know, and I use vulnerable again there because it is vulnerable to start exploring these things and for going against the grain and for going against the quote unquote norm of what it means to be sexual, especially as a guy as well. There's a pretty strong narrative of like what men are supposed to do in the bedroom, um, especially like by themselves as well. Um, so a lot of shame can come up around that. Um, so I'm wondering if there's anything that's helped you uh, or any advice you have for guys about, um, asking for these things for for having the the vulnerability to 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 put yourself out there and say look this is something i'm i'm keen to experiment with are you open to it i think the most important thing um is being okay with no and you know i mean that can before we start bringing you know food play and kinks and anything into it that comes from as simple as like i'm not in the mood tonight you know like understand no is a full sentence and once you're okay with that, no, if someone doesn't want to explore whatever weird thing that you like, that's okay. That you can, you've still got full permission to explore that yourself. And, um, which was my reality for a lot of years, mm. you know, like constantly met with, nah, that's, that's weird. And I'm like, okay, like maybe that is weird, but, I'm okay with weird because this is something that I want to explore. And at the end of the day, like, you know, only you and whatever you call God can really judge you. Having a you know, conversation or reflection with yourself about, about rejection, right? I think that's like the, the, the crux of that is like, you know, being comfortable with, with someone rejecting your advances or rejecting your, you know, it doesn't have to be in a mean spirited way, but that's what it, that's what it is at the end of the day is like you've propositioned something they've said no. And you have to, you have to take that on board. It's like, Oh, okay. Someone didn't want to do what it is that I want to do. You're like, Oh, how do I, how do I handle that? And there is like a, there is a, a pretty strong can sometimes be quite visceral reaction for a lot of men when they hear someone saying no to them. Um, anyone in general right there's a pretty strong reaction when someone says no um to one of your sexual advances um it can it can bring up a lot of shit so yeah there's a yeah there's a a lot of work i suppose to be to be done around that because i don't think um yeah i don't think it's something that that happens and i think you alluded to this it's you know something that you have to get comfortable with over a longer period of time you know it's not again it's not something that you can just kind of like flick a switch and be like cool yeah i'm i'm okay with this now exactly and I mean, and for the short, for like, I guess the short term, while that, that acceptance of, of no is, is building. Um, the other thing that I found key, and especially with my, my exploration of, of food and temperature and texture. Um, and I guess this leads into, to all kinks, you know, whether it's 
whether it's anal sex or pegging or whatever, um, don't don't ask someone to do something that you're unwilling to experience yourself. That's been my my almost I, you know whether you'd like to say it's a golden rule or whatever. Yeah, I love the idea of like yeah, just being aware of like what it is that you're asking for, and one of the ways you can build that awareness is by experiencing it or going through it yourself. You know, that's that's probably mm the most profound and powerful way of building that awareness of what it is that you're, you're asking. Right. Um, so yeah, I totally, totally resonate and agree with that. Yeah. The encouragement there is to, to, for people that are watching to go fuck a fruit, right. Before you start asking your partner to, to experiment with fruit play and, and with aphrodisiacs is to, is to incorporate that into your own, in your own, um, you know, build your own relationship, I suppose. Right. That's the invitation to people. Totally, totally. And, you know, like the, the easiest way to start, you know, I mean, if, if fruit's a little bit too weird, start with ice cubes, you know, like whether it's just ice cubes on the nipples or, or you know, massaging, massaging your balls or stroking your shaft with ice cubes in your hand. Mm. Start getting used to different, different textures and temperatures, you know, whether it's like ice cubes are perfect example because you've got both hard and cold. And even like coconut oil, you know, like just warm up some yeah. coconut oil. The coconuts are plants. You're already starting to integrate that, I'm sure, into, you know, into your, exactly. Um, you know, there's there's plenty of oils out there that are plant based. So you're already like, if you're using those types of types of massage oils, you're already incorporating that yeah. into your sexual eroticism anyway. I love speaking to you about this stuff, man, because there's not a lot of people talking about it, and um, and even less people encouraging others to get out there and experiment with it. So I um I really appreciate you just being candid and open and um, supportive of people exploring plants, you know, not only for their aphrodisiac qualities, but also for their erotic qualities as well, man. So thank you so much for, for sharing that with us today. No, thank you. And thank you for creating a space where this, this is a conversation that can be had. Yeah. Too easy, brother. That's the whole point of this podcast. So I'm so, um, I'm so stoked and there's, there's way more stuff we can talk about and I, I really want to get you back on, but uh, for the meantime, man, is there, is there anything that you want to like, uh, encourage people to to go out or any burning things that you want to share um, with regards to like the stuff we've talked about today with regards to aphrodisiacs and fruit? No, I think most of it we've covered. Um, it keeps coming back to like, don't be afraid to experiment, especially if you're looking in terms of um, using or connecting with plants on an erotic level. Um experiment explore play you know like enjoy yourself it's it's mm. fun you know like it it's kind of goes to the same process of you know like playing in the mud when you're a kid or you know like just that unabashed exploration and joy and then in the medicinal realm like patience patience don't expect anything to happen overnight but once you build that necessary relationship with the plant and it becomes your ally you will be rewarded greatly such a powerful message as well just to just to be open but to also be you know that patience but you know just to slow down in general you know it's um mm -hmm. yeah, it's such a such a powerful thing so once again dude thank you so much for for sharing your wisdom and i cannot wait to speak to you a few more times if not uh, many many more times uh, on this podcast take care brother